What's up, Jim? Morning, buddy. How's it going? It's going well. You? No complaints. Happy yeah. to be out in the shop. Nice late start this week for this. It's uh, the 23rd on Wednesday. So still kind of early morning, 8.40-ish. Almost so. noon here. Yeah, but, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, it's been sure. a busy week. Been a busy week for both of us. Um, getting out here seems to have just proven to be difficult. And uh, yeah, usually we're a Monday recording type of crew here, but I guess we're doing Wednesday today. Yeah, yeah, it's all good though. Minimal editing and stuff, so it uploads easy. So, um, yeah, I figured we'd probably just jump right into it. I know you kind of had a slow week in the shop last week. Um, we're not slow. Yeah, but I was out of town. Time, right, out of town Wednesday afternoon through Sunday afternoon, Sunday night actually. Um, so I obviously didn't do anything in the shop and then Monday I was out doing deer stuff all day. So I didn't touch, uh-huh. spe- set foot in here, um, which was great to get outside. We actually, it's pouring rain right now. So we got a bunch of things planted. So, you know, within a couple nice. of days of that, it's always nice to get a bunch of rain, just like exactly what you're looking for. And Hell then, yeah. uh, actually yesterday I went out and I did some more deer stuff in the morning. Uh, a buddy of mine kind of have a side business, um, where we like do like land management for other hunting type people that are looking to have like land cleared or like you know food plots created either whether big or small and seeding and rototilling and all that too so we had a consultation yesterday morning with a guy about a half an hour from here um and then did a little bit more deer work and then i came home around noon and um came out here and and tied up some odds and ends that i had some uh spa stuff for some people but i didn't even turn the machines on so um and then yeah then this morning i just had i've been to the dentist in like five years i just like stopped going for some reason and so i went like a month ago and they were like yeah okay you know took them three months to get me in and they looked at my stuff like hey yeah no cavities or anything you're good surprisingly but i just had my big like cleaning it took almost three hours of them just in there like picking at stuff and all that so i'm just now finally getting settled in for the day it's almost noon which is not a great track record but it is what it is (laughs) Yeah, I spend way too much time at the dentist. I'm almost out. I'm almost done with my braces. I've had them for almost three years. I didn't yeah. even notice that you had braces. Yeah. So, yeah, my teeth really? were super crowded. Yeah, I've had. What uh, was it like, like getting having adult braces? I've never like. I've it never was known fine. Anybody it, that actually had them. I, yeah, it was fine. Like I got really good insurance when I worked at Yamazen, so I jumped in on all that stuff and took advantage of everything. Um, had a couple cavities filled, and then got the braces, and that was in 2020. Yeah, sometime in 2020. And uh, it's wild. So I had my, my wisdom teeth pulled like four or five years ago, all four of them. And then I had four premolars pulled too because my teeth are so crowded. So wow. eight, eight total pulled. And then, uh, yeah, they're like dead straight now. So I should actually they, be getting them off hopefully like just a few days before the show. Dude, are you excited so that would, for that? That would work out pretty cool. Yeah, it's wild. Was there any out of pocket for that or did Yamazin's insurance cover all of it? Um, well, I left there before it was done. So once that insurance was over, um, I transferred some of my insurance from the other shop that I worked at. But then once I left there, I, I stayed on medical insurance, but all my other stuff was dead. So I paid out of pocket basically the rest of it, which wasn't too bad. It wasn't much left. Nice, so, man. So then what, you're just retainer bound for the rest of your adult life to keep them in position or what? Pretty much. Yeah. Nice. So, I had braces back when over. I was in grade school, but I have like serious snaggle teeth now. Yeah. But I mean, whatever, whatever. So yeah, I actually have all four of my wisdom teeth still. They were like, do you want to like have those removed? And I'm like, do I need to? And they're like, well, no. I'm like, then well, why would I want to get them removed? You know, yeah. everybody that ever had their wisdom teeth done is like, that sucked. Yeah. Like, yeah I'm good on that. Yeah. They Did you have all sleep. eight taken out at the same time? 
they did all four wisdom teeth at the same time. Um, and I went under for that. And then when they did my premolars, I'm like, fuck it, just take them out. So I stayed awake, but it was like 16 shots, like in the roof of the mouth. And it was nasty. Yeah. It sucked. Dude, I would for sure have had them put me out again. For sure. It was way too expensive. So they're like, yeah, we're going to do two on one side and then do two on the other side. I'm like, either it's going to suck and I wish I had it all done and I was going to just be done with it or it's going to be easy and I wish it was done. So I'm like, just do them all. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, just do it. And I literally walked out, no swelling. It was totally fine. So God's for a couple of days. Yeah, it was wild. Cool, man. Well, congratulations on your orthodontic journey ending in a couple of weeks. But talking about speaking about the show, I really haven't talked to you since I went out of town last week. It's been pretty much a week. What have you been up to the last week? You know, last time last I talked to you, you had finished manufacturing your blade fixture. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's where I left off. So did you get a chance to process any of the blanks? So I, so I finished up the fixture, uh, that we were talking about. We showed some infusion last episode. Um, I finished machining all of it. So anybody that hasn't seen it, um, there's a bunch of pictures on Instagram. I try to take, I I dug out my Nikon and I've been trying to take some nice photos and stuff. So I've been kind of digging into photography stuff again and relearning how to shoot. Um, but, uh, yeah, so this is all done. It's ready to go. Um, First stop is going to go here, just rectangle material with three uh, Mighty Bite clamps. And that'll hold just a rectangle bar uh, just to process the holes. Um, My baby just woke up, so hopefully we can't hear him crying. Um, And then then from there, it goes on to here, holds on the two holes, and then two holes, and then sides. So it does the primaries on the sides, and those are all angled, if you can see that. But anyways, um, yeah, this fixture is done. I haven't had a chance to actually run any blades on here. So during heat treat, I kind of want to dive into some of this stuff today, like um, magna cut. This stuff definitely grows during heat treat uh, that I've noticed. So everything is dead flat. Surface grinding is beautiful. Everything is everything that I could inspect on them was perfect. Um, but the size did grow. So hold a whole location. And last episode too, I was talking about. I think I'm probably going to have to slot these moving forward. And sure enough, once I finished the fixture, they didn't fit because the hold hole spacing had grew. So I ended up making some soft jaws, put the blades in the soft jaws, and I slotted the front pivot uh, just in line with the, or the, the front tab hole in line with the pivot. So any type of growth or anything moving forward that is already going to be slotted. So um, it'll still be positionally accurate in X, and you can just, if it needs, you know, adjust that Y hole position without losing any of the other positional uh, stuff that you had machined. You know. Yeah, so this third one really is just a tertiary position there, so it's rotation around the pivot hole. So mm-hmm. the primary is down on the face, secondary being the pivot hole, so that's handling all XY translation. Um, the face is handling all of the rotation around X and Y. Um, and then the only thing that's now constraining in the sixth degree of freedom is going to be the tertiary here, which is rotation around Z. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's it, as long as that's slotted in line with the pivot, any any length on it isn't going to affect the actual rotation position of it. So, yep. Um, so that worked out really well. Um, these are ready to go, pretty much. Uh, I a couple of weeks ago, or maybe maybe probably closer to a month, I picked up material for new inlays because I all the inlays that I made for slingshots, um, when I sent them out for anodized, they all of them etched like pitted. They they look like concrete. Um, there were holes all through them. So I think what happened was when I tumbled them in my tumbler, um, I left them in there. It got, I tumbled it like all day. I'm like, oh, I want to have real soft, real rolled over and uniform. And then it got late and I'm like, oh, I'm going to leave them in there. And then tomorrow I'll pull them out. 
you know, I'll run it for like another half hour, get them all clean, and then I'll pull them out. Um, but sitting in the tumbler with how hard the water is here, um, our water etched the crap out of them. And then when they went to anodize and they, and they etched them, all of the acid and everything and all the processing just ripped all the soft stuff out. Um, so I basically scrapped 210 inlays that I had. I had a few that I held back um, that weren't going to get anodized. I was just going to blast them or tumble them or do something here for them. Um, so I ran through all those, all the slingshots that I had sold previously um, from this run, went with all those. But now I, I, I'm out of inlays and I want to bring slingshots with me to the show. So I figure I want to just run through. I have maybe 100 or so done already um, of the inlays and uh, running these. I, I started running them on Friday. I ran a little bit on Saturday. Um, and then I didn't get any, I didn't get out here really at all yesterday. I was out here for a couple hours on Monday. Um, this week's been kind of hectic here. So just with the kids and uh, the storm that came, the school was shut down on Monday because they were worried that the hurricane was going to be too bad, but it was literally just light rain and a little bit of wind. It was nothing major. Um, so Hudson was <laughs> here all cause day. Any damage? Did it cause any damage anywhere or was it, it completely? Not here, not anywhere around here. I think Palm Springs got it pretty bad. Uh, like high desert area got it. So they're not used to that water really at all. Uh, but overall, it seemed to be pretty chill, at least in where we're at in Orange County. So um, yeah, getting kind of a late start on really everything this week, podcast, shop and all that. So I'm trying to run out um, all of the material for these um, over the next day or so, two days, so mm -hmm. I can get them to anodize. And then they, because they'll be at anodize for a week or two weeks or whatever. By the time I get those back, then I can assemble them and then I can bring a bunch of slingshots with me too. So I ended up burnishing a few of them. This burnish finish looks awesome. Nice. How um, do you do that? Uh, I have some burnishing compound that I got from Clayton years ago. He was out here for a uh, dirt bike race and had some, he brought some stuff out with him in the van and uh, shout like out to MX pimp, dude. Yeah, dude. It's 2016 or 17 is when he came out with that stuff at the shop. And then, uh, uh, so I threw it in my small tumbler just for doing like blades or little parts like this. I don't have enough to fill up my big tumbler. Uh, so just trying to knock those out. I did that over the past couple of days. Um, I got a bunch more slides to do. So I'm starting to stress a little bit. <laughs> like there, I mean, got three weeks, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. The show's on the 17th flying out the 16th, which means the very latest I have is the 15th really so it cuts off a couple extra days that i was like originally thinking oh i got till the 17th i don't so nobody does <laughs> so yeah i, I got like three started, weeks i haven't started anything yet so yeah i proved out the last time when i was prepping for portland i started my stuff on july 8th yeah i started my stuff on july 8th and i was ready to go on the 27th when i left and that was with me having to completely program, design, manufacture all the fixturing for the subliner 3.2, mm -hmm. and then prove out all of the assembly and component changes. So since I don't have to do any of that now, I believe that I should be able to shave some time off. Because I definitely, like when I'm prototyping something, I don't know if you're this way, I do not rush at all. I take no. as much time as I need. Like if one machine is sitting while I'm prototyping, whatever the case may be, I am just dedicated to that process, trying to pick up on every nuance so that if I do have an issue, I can try and backtrack and figure out where it was instead of like being flustered and making stupid mistakes. Mm -hmm. And so I know that I burned at least two, maybe even three days, just like 
with ancillary stuff um, with regard to that. So I think I should be good there. I'm also not bringing as much Damascus stuff as I did to Portland. Like I think I brought three Damascus blades. Um, I'm only bringing, I think one or two. I'm finalizing that today. Um, and I'm also, I guess it doesn't really, I'm just bringing more titanium plane stuff. It just feels like this is the kind of show where that's mostly what's going to be there. And I kind of want to fit the vibe. I'm going to have a, a few carbon fiber pieces. And then I think I'm going to have three titanium subliners, And then I'm going to have like just one dark tie framed, um, the Damascus that I made with my buddy, the stainless Damascus I made with him. I think that's going to be my, my one auction piece. Um, so I'm trying not to put too much, too many eggs in one basket with regard to the, the, the Damascus we made just because I don't know when I heat treat it, what if it cracks, you know what I mean? Or like, like there's so many things that like, I'm not, that I'm uncertain of that, like to base my entire lineup on that blade wise just seems like a mistake. Um, so I want to take baby steps with that. I'm probably just going to make some extra Magna Cut. I have like 17 Magna Cut blanks here that I just got back from Double Disc. So I'm probably just going to push some extra ones of those through just to make sure that if I do have issues that I at least have blades ready to go so that I can throw them in without having to like go back to square one. Because I mean, as you know, blades take longer than anything when you're trying to figure out heat treating and preheat treat machining and heat treating and surface grinding and then hard milling and then final well for me final hand grinding you know just a lot goes into it so yeah i mean you're definitely in crunch mode i mean thankfully you have like for the blades the manufacturing time is going to be pretty negligible like i imagine you'll probably be sub 20 minutes a piece um mm -hmm. so i always factor in like hey that's a day you know maybe two days yeah. if you're including programming and then i mean frames are probably going to be your biggest thing but not having to sit down and make backspacers not that that's exactly. a big deal. Like, yeah, but that's a day. Designing jaws, yeah. two offs, exactly. you know what I mean? Like a day, day and a half, even if the parts only take 10 minutes to cut. And exactly, then yeah. your pocket clips op, op ones are done. Shoot, that's the long op. Top op mm -hmm. is what deck and chamfer pretty much. Exactly. Um, so pretty maybe. much, if, yeah. And so if you can get your frames done, if you if you take a week to get your frames done, you still have 10 days to do, or two weeks to do everything else. And, and in reality, mm -hmm each of those might only be a day or two. So you should have plenty of time as long as you stay on task. I'd kind of told myself that I wanted to try and be done a few days in advance this year or this show. I wanted the same thing for Portland and I ended up working on knives until the day before I left. So I really yeah, like I'm try sure. not to give myself to the last day. You know, I really like to try and be done a few days in advance. So you have a little bit of a buffer. Totally. Yeah. I'm sweating yeah. like sharpening, setting detents that stuff i'm gonna i'm gonna machine the lock faces uh in the, i'm just gonna do them in the mill um because i'm doing the inset lock so i don't want to grind the blade lock face uh i'm thinking about doing a slight radius on it like a you know radial lock face uh, so i'm gonna do that just with the eighth inch ball and mill that's gonna be in there anyways uh, it's gonna be real steep at that angle anyway so it should be nice with the ball uh so I'm going to surface that, and then at the same time, I finish the stop pin track and then do the detent hole and the profile. So all of that stuff, I want to basically be able to just take a blade off the mill, do whatever finish work to it, you know, blasting, tumbling, whatever, um, and sharpen and put it in. And then the inset locks, they're so thin and they're so, it doesn't use a lot of material. Uh, they're kind of long, but it's not a lot of material, and I don't think cycle time is going to be that long. So if anything... You know, if I have too much lock engagement, whatever, I can just make another inset lock, um, lock bar just a little bit longer. 
so that's a plan for that. And then I can always shift the detent ball around a little bit if I need to. Um, yeah. As have long you as considered, doesn't... have you considered for your lock face, like, are you just going to cut them all to a known length or a mm-hmm. known size and then have varying lengths of lock bars to tune the lock position? Or like, will you set the blades back up and remachine them? Like if the engagement isn't what you like, like have you think, given any thought to that? I think if the gate, if the engagement is too early, then I'm probably just going to grind the lock bar. Uh, just kiss the face, take a thou or two off. Just of there kiss or the face of it. You know, either stone it or uh, or hit it on the grinder if it needs to remove a lot of material. But uh, I'm hoping that it's going to be consistent enough because I'm going to do the pivot hole, which is uh, the back hole, like we talked about. That's going to handle all of the location. Uh, basically, the the location that's handling the actual engagement <laughs> amount uh, yeah. into the blade. So I'm going to do the face and that hole at the same time, um, and that should handle all of that positional accuracy. I think as long as I measure the overall length or measure the width or something that, you know, as long as the comp styled on that tool, I think it should be fine. Yeah, I think uh, the only thing you're going to experience with that, just because that rock, you know, Magnica being 63, 64 Rockwell, mm-hmm. it's probably just tool wear. For sure. You know, and it yeah. wears at a, at a rate that like, you know, where you're used to making in titanium a one-tenth adjustment diametrically, like every three parts, if you're cutting a critical, like it could be mm-hmm. several tenths or a half, even if that tool starts to break down. For sure. Um, so, I mean, that's something, obviously, if you're roughing it within a thousandth and then just finishing it with that ball mill, mm-hmm. I'm sure, I'm sure you'll be fine. But yeah. I'm going to try and, know. I'm going to try and implement some probing in there too, to where I can go probe that face and see. Uh, how it uh, how it measures you know to the nominal so sure. i really need to implement a little bit more of that i need to order um, a three millimeter probe tip soon because mine's a six mil on here so i can't even get it into pivot holes and stuff dude i know i, I need really one for, for that stuff i need one for that reason too like even when i'm doing this is simple and it's stupid but a lot of the times when i'm finishing pivot holes like i'll put my um magnetic um squaring block my small squaring block in my vice and I'll just put the blank down, you know, indicate it flat and indicate the rail straight. Mm-hmm. And then I just sweep that pivot hole and then machine the pivot hole. And like, if I'm doing 30 blades, it's so annoying having to like pull the indicator out and go to the yep. location and sweep that pivot hole in every time. Like it literally takes two minutes, but on 30 blades, like for a two minute cycle time or less, mm-hmm. it just feels like that thing is in and out. And I'm like, I need to dial in this, small three millimeter probe tip so that I can just probe this fucking hole because this is driving me crazy and I never do it. Yeah. I've had, yeah, I've had one in uh, just uh, on the Q mark website, been up in a tab for like the last week. I needed to do it. Um, yeah, I had to do that. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I, I had to do that on the, on these blades to cut the tab that slot. So I put them on to, I just cut soft jaws to hold the profile. And then I, had it go to XY zero position, uh, G54, X zero, Y zero. Um, and then load up a blank tool holder spot. So it basically just called a tool one, which is empty. And then I would manually load the indicator, hit reset, jog it down, indicate it, reset the origin, and then jog it up, take it out and then cycle start. And then we'll go to the next tool and it would run. hundred percent. Um, I mean, you can see my indicator sits right there and it's just, yeah. Yeah. yeah mine's <laughs> if you could see it. Well, I think you can because it's oh, yeah. uh, this is this is cropping out on here, but yeah, basically mine's right up top. Yeah. There she'd be somewhere up there. Yeah. So yeah, so um, yeah, it sucks. I definitely need to just do that, but I'm like trying to save as much as I can for the show right now. And Hell sure. yeah! I bought my flight. I bought 
I got my room. I got everything like ready to go. I'm committed. So nice, man. my bad. You got to get it just done. Got the email today work. for. Yeah. Did we get an email today? Way. Yeah. The oh, badges shit. I didn't, shipped out. I didn't respond about how many I needed. Oh yeah. Oops. Is anybody Probably going with you? Uh, my wife is going to come with me. Nice. Dang, I forgot to get back to him about that. Yeah, there's probably time. It'll be all right. Um, you can't go now, dude. Sorry. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, you texted me and said, hey, I bought my flights and I booked my hotel room. And then Joe texted me a picture of his flight, too. I yeah. Like, so oh, I, you're going with him? So. Yeah, I told I hit him up. I'm like, hey, dude, the 89 bucks a night um, on the website through Oz's website with that deal. And uh, I said, they got one king or they got two queens. You know, are you, are you coming or not? And he's like, I'm 80%. I said, well, I just bought a room with two beds. Like, you're coming. So he's like, all right, let me see what I got for points for flights. And uh, I sent him my flight numbers and he ended up getting on the same flight. So he works the game too. He's that yeah. like works the air miles, credit card shit to get all mm -hmm. kinds of points and stuff like that. I need to get better about that. I don't ever. Yeah, do I want to be like, like Joe that. when I grow up. I know he's like sure. the ultimate adult, dude. Mm -hmm. I've always, said get him that. To he's always me, seems like he, he, yeah, he wanted to work too, we're too heathenous. His kids are way better than us. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, so cool. I was stoked, stoked to see him. I haven't seen him since, I mean, probably since I came out to visit you in 2016, you know, probably huh? talk to him all the time, but like just, you know, coast to coast is tough. Yeah. It's, but, uh, it's rough. So you guys so are we, flying and you're flying in on Friday or Saturday, uh, Saturday. So okay. flight out of here is at like six 45 in the morning, um, local Santa Ana airport. So we're going to fly out of here and then we have a layover in Phoenix for about an hour. And then Phoenix straight into Indy and then same thing on the way back. So we're flying out um, Saturday morning and then getting in like around three forty-five or so in Indy. Uh, and then on the way back, we're flying out Monday at like 6.30 PM, I think. So we have most of Monday oh, nice. to kind of hang and hopefully people are still going to be around. Maybe go grab breakfast or lunch or something with everybody. And yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure we, could, we could probably get with you too. Um, yeah. Obviously with the show being on Sunday, we're going to, stay over and uh we'll be heading out monday morning sometime and it's only a five hour drive for me so nice pretty much can leave whenever uh the kids will be back in school so i just need to be back before they get out of school which is like you know three o'clock or they get home at like three forty-five. so i mean mm -hmm. as long as we leave by like 11 o'clock or ten thirty, we should be good yeah it's not too bad yeah steingraber is driving out too i think he's got like a six hour drive yeah so i was asking him What's that? I'm gonna say his should be. He's probably a little further than that, I'd imagine, because he's he's where in Rochester, somewhere around there. I think he, I was talking to him yesterday. I think he said it's about six hours. Huh? Maybe it's so. shorter for me than I thought. Then, because he's like maybe. Rochester's like two and a half hours further east of me. Oh yeah. So maybe I'm maybe I'm only three and a half or four. Either way, yeah, yeah. that's cool. Um, he seems like he's kicking butt. Got a lot of stuff yeah. in the pipe. Yeah, he's doing really well. He's bringing a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, I was talking to him about what, how he's going to bring everything. Um, that's kind of what some stuff I wanted to talk to you about too. Like what you're, what else are you bringing besides product? Sure. Um, and like, how are you going to take payment and stuff too? Like, how does that normally work there? Cause I don't know how many um, knives I'm going to bring. Like I have enough for 15, but if I only end up bringing like a few of them for whatever reason, if time or scrap or something, um, if I only bring a few, then maybe I'll just lotto all of them. I don't want to have first come first serve for like the first five people, you know? Um, yeah, I would probably, if you had like, say you brought five, mm -hmm. you could do one or two first come first serve maybe. And then like three yeah. lottos. Um, but you know, you kind of can read the room too. You know, you're going to look yeah. at, 
how I'm assuming that a lot of these other guys are going to be all first come first served. Cause I mean, if you have sure. 20 or 30 or 40 or a hundred knives, like yeah. you're not lottoing shit, you know, it's just come by. Exactly. It's going to be too much work. I feel like to lotto that much. I mean, for as far as payment goes, um, obviously for shows, cash is king. You know, none of us want to report this income. You know, that's mm-hmm. you just want to have some play money that you make at the shows. That's the incentive of like giving yourself a little bit of a tax break. Uh Oh, Uncle Sam's coming after me now. I can hear him knocking at my door. But um, okay. I have done <laughs> PayPal, friends and family. Um, I honestly, with somebody picking an item up at the show, like right now, my number one would be Zell. You know, just yeah. a straight wire transfer because you're not paying any fees then at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you could do cash app or you could do Venmo. You know, I, I prefer those things over PayPal just because PayPal, you know, they can be so fickle, but you know, yeah. Every, every time I get a payment through PayPal, it's a problem. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're either holding, your, they're holding your money and, and like, mm-hmm. yeah. So I try and avoid PayPal. Of course, in Portland, I ended up taking like two or three PayPal payments that were on hold for like 21 fucking days. Like, I just got paid for it recently and shit like that. So, but yeah, I would yeah. for sure say if they have, I think most people understand that they're coming to the show to buy stuff. Like they're going to be bringing cash. Um, especially because a lot of these knives at the show, like are like in that, you know, you're not, you're not going to see a lot of 1800 to $3,000 knives at this show. I don't think like you're going to see a lot of knives in that like 600 to a thousand range. Um, mm-hmm. And so you're probably going to see a lot of people that are prepared to spend cash. And, you know, a lot of guys will say, like, I mean, I can do cash, but could you do electronic? Like, you just got to think about what's what's right for you. Like, you as the seller, yeah. for sure, reserve the right to be like, cash only, please. You for know? Sure. And uh, so as far as other things I'm bringing, I mean, I'm going to bring a banner for the table. Um, I'm going to bring stickers. Um, I may or may not bring T-shirts. Um, you know, my cousin has been doing my my screen printing stuff for me with my equipment, but he just bought a bunch of new equipment. I found this out over the weekend because I had, I had asked him to make me some shirts for like this, my pro camp thing. And he mm-hmm. didn't get them done. And he called me like kind of in a panic, like, Hey, you know, the guy that he's so a mutual friend of ours. Well, a friend of mine that he's become friends with, like kind of allocated, he owns a tattoo shop and a barber shop. It's like a three stall, like a uh, building. And in the middle, he didn't have anything in there. And so he was like, hey, if, if you put your screen printing stuff in the middle portion of my building, like your cousin can use it. Just let me use it, you know, until I get on my feet and figure out what to get. And then I'm going to buy a bunch of new stuff that's like higher volume. Well, last week at the beginning of the week, unbeknownst to my cousin, my buddy came in and he bought all new stuff. So all the old stuff was gone. It was all packed away. So Gabe is now, my cousin is now frantically trying to like get all the new screen printing equipment dialed and figure it out and everything. And so he actually wasn't able to, uh, to get my stuff done. And so I'm kind of like, you know, we were talking about doing stuff for you and, and I'm trying to like think our t-shirts really, uh, you know, important for me right now or not, you know, like I'm probably not think that I'm too worried about it. I mean, if he gets everything dialed in and he's like, Hey, it's no problem. Then I'm all, you know, I'll for sure, for sure bring some stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, things that you want to consider, too, ahead of time, because you may not have, like, access to, if you're going to do lottos, you probably want to print out sheets, you know, that have room for names and phone numbers. Um, you might want to bring some stuff to present your knives on on the table, whether it be, like, little microfiber cloths or, like, you have them all laid out in a pouch, um, and you're going to want to have some way to display price. 
you know, that's always seems to be the thing that I forget, you know, and I end up just tearing up little pieces of paper and writing like the knife and like the price on it, like all ghetto, yeah. which I don't like. So that's actually something I have to figure out is um, how I want to present, present that information on the table. I mean, I know mm-hmm. a lot of people have little shadow boxes that they put their knives in or little, you know, velvet or suede covered shelves that they kind of put them out on. I'm not too worried about any of that stuff. You know, I'm not going to have a million knives. I'm, I'm probably, like I said, only going to have six. Um, and so it's easier for me, but, uh, yeah, beyond that, I'm not, I'm not really planning on bringing much. Um, did you have any ideas for stuff that you wanted to bring? I mean, obviously business cards are a good idea. Yeah. Cards would be cool. Um, I don't have any cards anymore. I chucked all my old ones cause it was like old contact info. Uh, so I need yep. to get some more, but probably not going to get any for the show just because it's so easy to just get a hold of me if, you know, Instagram or whatever. Um, so yeah, I was, I was mainly thinking like if, like bringing a card reader or something to process payments, uh, just so transactions are real easy and streamlined. Receipts, kind of things that, like that. Hate those, but, hate those fees, dude. You know what I mean? Yeah, like the fees, and then honestly, the accountability to the money. I have enough money mm. that goes into my business bank account every year that I'm claiming. You yeah, know that, totally. like, if I could have ten grand or fifteen grand, like that is just play money that I don't have to fucking pay twenty percent on, like. Yeah, that would be ideal. And so, sure. some of those places don't care. I don't know how like Square handles it, but like you know, PayPal, if it's over six hundred bucks, goods and services, services, you're getting a ten ninety nine. Yeah, you know. And so, I would probably like to avoid that if at all mm-hmm. costs. But I mean, if ease of transaction is more important to you than like financial accountability to the government, then just go buy your twenty dollars Square reader and be done with it. You know. Right. Yeah, because I was even thinking of even possibly setting up all the items on uh, my Shopify. And then if anybody comes up to table, iPad, you know, they could just check out basically real easy process, however payment option they want that way or pay cash or whatever. But uh, I think if most guys are just doing that helicopter on my. Yeah. It's helicopter. We're like right under a flight path. Um, oh, nice. For most like military stuff. Seems like it's going San Diego North. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it, if a lot of guys are, gonna just normally do cash or zelle or any of those like i'm totally fine with that too um especially being the first show i mean i'm hoping that i sell everything that would be cool you know but i don't i mean it's hard to tell how many people actually are even looking at my stuff or dude it's following yeah, along, that's a, you know it's, that's it's so thing, difficult man, now sure. on instagram so um i think you have especially at a show like this enough people that are aware um that you probably will sell everything, but at the same time, like you can always take comfort in the fact that if you don't, like you're just a, a click away on the computer from just selling everything. You know what I mean? So it's yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Not a big deal. And in some ways, like in Portland, my stuff sold, sold out in like 20 minutes. So it was mm-hmm. like, I didn't even have anything on the table for people to play with for the rest of the show. And like, that's where I was like, man, if I would have lottery them and pulled at the end of the show, then people would have been able to get their hands on the knives and like I would have had sorry I would have had some examples of my work for people to play with um yeah I want to have at least one that I don't sell whether it's mine or whatever that people can play it can be mine don't worry they can play with mine for the whole show and then I'll leave with it at the end of the show there you go yeah Alex hit um, me up actually he's like hey dude thanks for all your help man you helped me out so much on my speedio and like he sent me a video of one of his knives I'm like fuck dude so oh he's giving it to you yeah he's gonna give me one yeah, that was cool damn that's fire dude yeah nice that's i'm curious i mean um 
you know, these shows are always interesting because you see videos and pictures of all these knives, but until you get them in hand and you can feel the ergonomics and the softening and like the weight distribution and the action and the lock release, like until you can get a feel for those things, like you don't really know how a knife is. Um, and I think that that works like a two way street. One, it may show you gaping holes in your own process and your own finished product. And at the same time, sometimes I've been able to experience a knife where I'm like, that was really hyped up and pretty disappointing in person. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, so I'm excited to be able to get it, get hands on some of these guys stuff. Um, that I see all the time and just kind of put a knife to the face and, uh, and see if, uh, they live up to the hype. But, um, you know, and because of, I feel that way, I just assume that other people are vetting me also. So it like pushes me of course. to like, always do my absolute best and like make sure that everything that I'm presenting is like premium quality, which is why like I think about these guys that are bringing a bunch of knives. That'd be so stressful, dude, because you'd have like so many knives to get dialed in and like there's going to mm -hmm. be like a lemon in there or one or two or five that like develop lock, lock stick for no reason or whatever the case may be. And like, that's the one nice thing about driving is like, you know, that I'm going to be putting some shit in my truck. I'm going to load my sharpener up. I'm going to load up like my Arbor press or whatever the things are that I need so that I can be like, if absolutely necessary, like I can do some surgery out in the truck or in the hotel room <laughs> or if somebody needs something cleaned up, you know, it's like, Oh yeah, I got you. I brought everything but the kitchen sink, you know, I'll bring my little sure lines in my Pelican. Yeah, there you go. Sure lines in. But uh, yeah, on that note, actually, if you find yourself, um, I don't know what your plan is for this, but if you find yourself ahead of schedule and you had the balls to ship your knives out, I'd be more than willing to sharpen them for you. Nice. Um, and yeah, that way I, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have to check a You wouldn't have to check a bag then. Cause then I could just drive them in with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That'd be so rad. Up, to, up to you. If you find yourself in that position, you may very well be like sitting there with a fucking Lansky two days before and like, you know, sharpening. That's that what I'm worried way, about. But, yeah. I know, because I, I mean, I've got my belt grinder, but I don't have any belts. I have like one old beat up belt that I got from PJ a while ago. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I mean, honestly, get a, I got to get a sharpening setup because I literally have nothing to sharpen right now. And uh, I use my little one by 30 to grind lock faces before. I just dedicated that with a real nice belt and set the platen angle and everything. And like, I would just grind lock faces with that. Um, but I don't want to do it on these. So, you know, your your move is probably to shoot Yoni a message and be like, Hey, can I come down for half a day and just sharp? Can like, I sharpen my shit on your setup. Cause he has such a dialed sharpening setup. I mean, fuck, he grinds, sharpens hundreds of knives a month. You know what I mean? Totally. But, um, yeah, sharpening is always my least favorite. I think it's probably everybody's least favorite thing. You know, one, I'm not looking, I'm definitely not looking forward to it. Let me close this window real quick. Hold up. Yeah. Do your thing. No problem. I think all this sound suppression stuff in here, will cut it out, but, it's actually getting really loud. It'll be a good. It'll be a good test. Oh, anyways, folks. Oh, yeah. Ken's pretty cool. You know, works hard. Good dad. Example human. Model citizen. Hey, what's up? Pick like Welcome the noisiest back. day out of the week. I feel like to record. I bet my gardener is going to show up any minute. We have uh, a gardener. Dang, must be nice. We rent, so yeah. The uh, oh, the okay, has fair enough. Stuff, so yeah. you don't have to mow your own dang lawn, dude. I wish. I got my kids doing it now, but yeah. Um, nice sharpening. I definitely like. 
I definitely dread it. You know, it, mm-hmm. one, it's like, is the clamp going to scuff the blade? You know, there's just so many little things like, am I going to scuff the blade finish because there's like some grit on there when I go to wipe the black, you know, stropping compound off after I hit it with a leather belt, you know, you also run up the sharpening yeah. choil and hit the plunge. Yeah. And- yeah. Am I going to cut, you know, am I going to now it's sharp? Am I going to cut myself when I'm dicking around with it? You know, so. Yeah. I, I always worry. Deliver- go ahead. If I could deliver these things dull. I would, I think. Oh dude, I would totally, I remember there was a knife maker years ago. I don't know if he still does it. That would ship all of his shit, not sharpened because of some legal reasons. Like it wasn't legally allowed yeah. to make uh, knives or something in the country that he lives in. So he's just shipped all his shit with no edge on it. Good luck sharpening yourself. Yeah. It was something like that. Um, I want to move but, to that country. Yeah, same. But yeah, sharpening sucks. I always, I, 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 my issue with sharpening is I always feel like it's never sharp enough. So I just, I, cause I think like, all right, somebody's going to get this and their first thing they're going to do is they're going to stick this on their arm. Oh, it's not sharp, you know, or whatever. So I'm like very self-conscious about dude. if it's actually I sharp am, enough That's or the not, first but. thing I notice. I notice on a guy's work is that thing ain't popping hairs. You didn't do your job. You know, and like yeah. a knife can look sharp. There's a difference between looking sharp and being sharp. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, there's a difference between being hair popping sharp and being sharp enough to cut something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if they're hair popping sharp 98% of the time, they're not that way within like five minutes of using them. Mm-hmm. You know, like it just knocks that like razor edge off of there and it's still plenty sharp enough to do anything you need to do. But, um, in my opinion, I wanted to, I wanted to start late like a laser, you know? For sure. I went one time um, back when Paula was around. We went to Home Depot right there by the shop. We just would walk over there all the time, grab tools, whatever. And uh, there was a guy working in the tool crib area. And he's like, oh, what are you guys up to? And, you know, of course, he pulls his knife out. And he's like, oh, yeah, we make these knives. I need to get some sanding, sandpaper, whatever. And uh, he's like, oh, let me see it. And he grabs it and just straight to his arm. And he went to cut, just see if he could shave his hair. And he sliced his arm open like that. <sighs> just filleted his arm open and he was an older dude and he just kind of like took it he wiped wiped it handed it back and then he just folded his shirt down and then we're like he's like all right see you guys later and he walked away and it was just blood was coming all the way down his arm dude literally from his from like his bicep area or tricep all the way down to his wrist there's just blood running through his shirt and and he was just acting like nothing happened yeah yeah, it was the weirdest thing, man. And he cut the fuck out of himself. Fucking guy. Oh, people like I mean, that's I actually like. Yeah, I'm actually not going to cop to that on the air. I've had some situations where people have gotten cut. It's like, yeah, you feel bad, but um. Yeah, I got cut one yeah. time. It was a knife meet that we did, and some guy had a spider co, and I flicked it, you know, and and it it popped out, and it just stabbed my finger somehow, and it started bleeding all over the place, and like just hand under the table, like I'm good. Yep, I'm fine. Blood fucking dripping out on the carpet. You ever have that happen when you're not paying attention to both your hands and like you fire the knife with one hand and the tip swings out and hits your other hand and just like (laughs) glances you and cuts you when you're opening the knife? Yeah, I've fucking done that a bunch where you're just not paying attention. Or like, like, you know, because like you get used to flipping one knife length, right? Like say it's the transient. Mm -hmm. And then somebody has a 3.7 inch bladed knife and you're used to having the same clearance between your hands, but that half inch difference is like enough to like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I usually get it. If anything, I usually get cut when I'm messing with this bally uh, because it's double edged. And then sometimes I'll, all right, is it, is the lock on this side or is the lock on this side? And I'll forget yep. and I'll swing it and it's, you know, edge right in my finger. So I usually get my knife no, with this thing. 
I don't play yeah, that. I, I would, play I would cut the hell anymore. out of myself with that. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking sharp too. So, so yeah, what's your yeah. plan for this week? Where like your uh, last week, you kind of got your fixture dialed in and mm-hmm. started to uh, think about what you wanted to do. But like, what do you have going on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of this week? Yeah, so main fixturing is all complete. Um, the only other stuff that I need to do is soft jaws, and I'll just do them as I need them. Um, I don't want to cut uh-huh. them and take them out and put them back for obvious reasons. So uh, I'm going to try and knock out some more of these inlays today. We're actually, uh, Hudson's staying at school late now. There's like an after school program. So he's staying for a couple hours extra. Um, and he's got our neighbor kid stays and some, he's making friends already. So, um, cool. so he does that. It gives me a little bit more time out here. Um, but today we're going to pick him up like around three o'clock and head to Disneyland for the rest of the day. We haven't been in a while. Um, so taking up quite a bit more time, but I think it'll be worth it. So we're going to do that yep. today, but I'm going to, uh, after this. So once we get done recording, I'm actually going to do, um, my first like official kind of one-on-one class with somebody. Um, okay. it's a guy from Instagram who's getting in the knives. He's got a Tormach and he sent me a DM. Um, I think he was listening to the podcast, uh, but he heard about it and, uh, he's like, Hey, I, I want to start doing blades and stand them up. You know, can you walk me through some stuff and help me with CAD and cam and so we had a few messages back and forth. And then yesterday he's like, yeah, let me know how to pay, whatever. So he just, he shot it over and we're going to jump on today for an hour and go through some of that stuff. So I want to try and start ramping that stuff up. Um, I'm going to probably do it on here too. Same, just the same nice. platform and send him a link. And then I can screen share with him. He's using Fusion too. So we'll go through the whole thing. He already sent me his model. Um, so I'm going to basically just go through that. I haven't like prepped for it at all. Um, I opened it up and looked at it and it's pretty straightforward. So it should be, should be pretty straightforward with that. And then. Uh, easy to get going without like, like doing your hollow grind the other day. That was like a lot of back and forth. Um, sorry. Stuff. No, it was all good. Um, I still kind of want to mess with it a little bit more, but I know you already shot it over. So if they have any issues though, I'm sure we'll hear from them. So. Yeah. I mean, um, I mainly just needed it for like quoting purposes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I wanted them to see the exact geometry ish, uh-huh. you know, so that, you know, they could get me an accurate number on what they were looking for nice. looking at for that stuff. But, it's um, really, it's really close. Um, if anything, I mean, the only reason why, because you have that climbing kind of top of your primary, um, yep. that's typically horizontal when you're grinding, right? Because yep. you're going straight across on that. Um, yeah, I tip the way it on I'm, an angle so that it's straight across. Exactly. The way I modeled it was it was straight at the beginning of the edge. So so the the actual wheel would have to grind up um, just like, a, like how you would normally do it. You know, you'd grind. You'd actually be rotating to get it to climb. but. Uh, same kind of thing. I need to re- just remodel it where it's all basically tied to the top, perpendicular to the top rather than to the bottom. So, gotcha. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, a lot of it too is like once they can, once they can see the aesthetic, they're acutely aware of what geometry they can grind. So I think yeah. it's more or less even if they had to go in there, remove the bevels, but they knew what the plunge aesthetic was and the height of the grind was, and if they exactly. had to remodel it so that it works for what they do, at least they have an aesthetic, a visual reference for yeah. that. You know. Or a measurable one, anyways, if they copied it. Yeah, all the criticals are good on that. It's a consistent edge thickness all the way up from the sharpening choil all the way to the tip. That was the main concern because that's one thing that I always think about when guys just do straight grinds like that. You're having a variable thickness edge. It's yep, way thicker at the belly, um, you know, because your hollow is actually coming back up. Yeah, and then thinner at the tip and thinner at the at the beginning. So, um, getting that to model correctly yeah, you certainly to where have to manipulate it, was, that. it followed that. Mm-hmm. but it, it was cool though so this yeah. one is going to be pretty straightforward it's a it's a pretty standard blade shape so 
Um, we're going to go over that after this. And then once that's done, I'm going to try and run some more inlays. It's just, these things take so long on the Haas. Like this should be like a minute and a half, two minutes max on a Speedio. Uh, mainly because there's so much detail in the engraving. Like I'm surfacing the floor with the engraving tool. It's a 10, 000, mm -hmm. 10 or 20 thou radius. I end up hand stoning the radius on those as they wear. So it varies, but, um, I, I'm having issues. Of course, I jinxed myself when we were talking about, yeah, as long as my stupid phase converter doesn't go out. Um, I don't know if my caps are going out, the capacitors or what. Um, but if I run the machine, I always had issues running the machine at 100% rapid. If I'm ramping anything over like 5,500 RPM, 6,000, 7,500 for sure, definitely 8,100. Um, where from what it sounds like, it's the, the solenoid for the door locks fires just repeatedly fires until it gets up to max rpm or programmed rpm and then it's totally fine once that's up then i can wrap it at 100 percent, no issues but if it's ramping the spindle and it's moving the table and the z all at the same time it's sucking way too much juice um and it fires that voltage alarm i'm getting low voltage alarms and then two weeks ago it started shutting the machine off so if so i basically dropped all my rpms down to cap at 5,000. Um, and then I'm just running my rapids at 25%, which isn't a huge difference on this from 25 to 50 or 50 to 100. Um, but, you know, when you're making a couple hundred parts, it adds up. So, and I'm not palletizing these because I want to basically just run a couple hundred of these things and be done for the year. Um, yep. At least on this run, I don't want to mess too much with making a big pallet and spending all the time on that and all the all the costs for Mighty Byte stuff. Um, I'm just holding up one in talons, just straight down in talons, um, the materials over moved i'm just using that stool now um it's just holding in uh, talons and then i flip in soft jaws and then i do oh, i do this second side so um but it ends up being like eight minutes on the hot just because the machine's so slow so sweet spot for rpm on here is 5000 anyways um if i if i run any higher rpm i get some weird harmonics with it um and i tend to see some feed lines and i see weird finishes on stuff um, especially if i'm doing like tall wall finishes 5,000 RPM, doesn't matter what the, what diameter tool, um, from like 20 to 25 inches a minute. And it leaves a perfect finish on everything. So interesting. it's, it's a weird sweet spot where it's like, fuck it, it works perfect. I'm just going to finish everything at that. Um, so I'm not getting any alarms anymore. It's not shutting off. Um, it's just, it's running fine. So I'm basically going to try and run a bunch more of these today and then maybe whatever I can do tomorrow. Um, and then Friday I'm going to, I have to jump on frames on friday so i think i'm going to do the inside of the frames probably start on the show side um because the there's no real geometry inside that's doing anything with the lock or anything so uh, just knock all those out and then dial in the pockets and all the surfacing tool pass and everything and then once that's done maybe make the uh, soft jaws but i might just i might do op one op two and soft jaws because i'll be done with inlays so then i can just recut those soft jaws to hold the inside of the frame Sure. So I'm going to be doing internal stuff on the frame first, do all the internal geometry profiles, pivot hole, stop pin hole, um, pocketing and all the surfacing inside, and then the bearing pockets, and then flipping over, holding that whole thing in soft jaws and just surfacing the outside and doing the pivot counterbores and chamfers. So I think that should be sounds, a move going Sounds next, reasonable to me. Because yeah. once I get the frames done on that, if I cut, if I cut frames and I cut the lock bar inserts, um, before I do the blades, then I can just dial in the, the compensation on the blades and I can check fit and everything as I'm doing them. No, uh, certainly. It's either, it's either that or I wait for the lock bars and do the lock bars last. 
So cut all the blades, do all that stuff, and then do the lock bars at the very end. I just don't want to run into an issue where it's like, shit, I need to move the detent ball a little bit for something. And then I can see the detent track when the blades open. So, which I definitely yeah. don't want to see. That's like a... No. a Trying to mitigate a as big, much risk. Big pet, big pet peeve. I mean, do you have a lot? Do you have a? Do you not have much room there? Like, if you're looking at it in CAD, is it pretty close? It's it's pretty close. Um, it's it gets real close if I flatten the detent ball, especially. Um, so I'm still on the fence if I need to flatten it or not. Um, I don't care for the feel either way. Uh, on it, the main thing is that I might need a little bit extra room by flattening it a little bit because the that wall thickness that I showed you. Um, in that screen share, you can't, I mean, it's not going to be on this cause this is an actual frame lock, but the wall thickness in this area is so thin for that lock bar. I don't have a lot of room to have like an over travel area to get the detent ball way away from the blade when you unlock. Gotcha. Um, and you obviously don't want it to just move where the top of the ball is flush with oh, the blade because then it's going to drag with, oh, ten, you know, compression. So you don't have any, you don't have any room to clear behind the lock bar for it to over travel. Exactly. Unless I make the lock bar really thin. I mean, I could make it super thin, like 30 thou thick or so in that area. So it'll flex out of the way. Um, but if Are I you just, able to manipulate your chamfer sizes on the lead in areas there to like could, be a little I, bit smaller, I could just make this surface here. I could bring this surface out a little bit. So this edge is thicker, uh, right in that, you know, in the finger area. So I could I mean, make if, that. Even if it was, even if it was only 15 or 20 thousandths, like it'd be negligible not negligible. I mean, it's an amount for sure, but I mean, if you even had a 10 thousandths relief behind the ball, if the ball is sticking out 20 or, you know, mine usually stick out 21 thousandths. The one problem is, is you only have a 10 thousandths gap between your blade and your frame. Right. So you already need 10 thousandths relief. Exactly. So that's why I was thinking of relief. And then more than that. So you probably need at least 15. Yeah. So Um, that's why I was thinking if I flatten the top of the ball, then I'll get whatever room there. Um, because that you know the the tip of the ball is not doing any engagement anyways, um, so that's the thing. Like pressing a detent ball, the depth of it really isn't that critical because you're at the steepest part of the the radius anyways. So you just need it enough to stay in yeah. and not be too deep to where you're too shallow on the ball. Um, so well, I it's usually weird just I have found that even a few thousands difference can make a pretty big difference in how the action feels. Yeah. I don't don't really know why that is because like uh-huh. you said, you know, it shouldn't really matter. You know, it depends on the size of the ball. Obviously, if you're using a two millimeter ball with a bigger radius, like it's a lot more forgiving than if it's a sixteenth, you know, it's mm. a tighter, tighter radius. But um Yeah. Yeah, because I want to have, have the defense as strong as possible to where the frame's almost touching the blade uh when it's in the or in the close position. Yeah. Um, and then I just use a I usually just use a PB washer, like a twenty thou thick PB washer with a sixteenth ball. Um and then I just basically put the, I stick the PB washer around the detent hole. I drop the ball in there and I just press it with the arbor. I'll stick yep. like a razor blade or something on top and just press it to that. And it's extremely consistent. Um, I don't want to do it before I do any finishing. Like setting a detent ball, I think should be like one of the very last things after finishing and blasting and tumbling and all that stuff. So see, yeah, I do it beforehand because I, Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I want to be able to test the action in all stages. That's of true. The- yeah of the of the product so literally setting the detent is the first thing i do oh, detent yeah. lock face blade grind and then i usually have to tweak the lock face and the the lock bar pressure because when the blade is ground being significantly lighter you know the tension that you need to get the action right you know mm-hmm. is a lot less but then you need to make sure that it's enough tension 
to um, make sure that the lock engages fully because you obviously don't want to have lock rock or lack of lock lock bar engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a fine line on this is on my design specifically. Like I know a lot of people don't have to deal with it, but I, my shit has to be just right or the action does not feel right on this knife. So yeah, your blades get so thin. There's not a lot of weight out the tip or anything. So there's nothing, um, man. It's definitely a lot. Are you carbonizing your lock faces? Yeah, always. You do? I heat them. I heat them first. When I heat the lock bar relief, I also heat the lock face. Let them both air cool just to kind of like harden the titanium a little bit, work harden it. Um, and then I carbonize after that. And then you're setting your ball. Uh, I, yeah, I do the ball after that. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Cause that was the main issue. Cause I I've carbonized lock faces before and I've done heat on there. And if the ball's already in there, it'll pop the ball out or crack it. Um, for ceramic balls, I've had issues yeah, where the, where the balls will come out or they'll crack in half. Interesting. Um, and I've done a lot of detent holes that are blind. So now you got a fucking carbide, or I mean a ceramic detent ball stuck in a blind hole, and uh, so you got to get in there and you know smash it out or whatever. And then now your hole's kind of messed up. So you got to peen the hole love, and then press another. I love ball. that idea. Yeah, I love that idea. I think it looks clean, mm-hmm. but for the utility side of knives, it's annoying. It's not nowhere near consistent enough for me to give a shit if that little hole is exposed or not. You know what yes. I mean? I'd much rather have access to the backside for sure. And that was another reason too, wanting to go with an inset lock too. Because then you don't have to worry about it. You just do a through hole in the bar. And yep, then through hole. Pop it out. You know, that that's going to be, oh, wait, you're not drilling your detents. You don't have to worry about that. Um, how much are you offsetting your detent, the hole in your blade compared to your frame to get, like, the offset that you want for, like, the ball to hold the blade without um, the It depends on what the, what the drill size is. Um, you know, obviously, the bigger the drill is, the further you have to offset it. Um, so I don't have a lot of room. I think I can go like one size up from a 16th on the drill hole. Um, I'm going to probably just mill it with a 16th and then actually slot it a little bit. So there's some room to, I'm going to probably, where's the blade at? Um, I'll start in, inside the lock, uh, in the stop pin track and basically just slot over until there's basically a slot connecting to it rather than just drilling a straight hole. Um, and then you don't get any crap that sticks in there like in the in the actual hole you can't really pack anything in there i don't there's no reason to go all the way through um so it'll just be a small slot from the stop pin track into the location of the detent and i'll do it with a 16th end mill and probably make it like 65 or 70 thou wide or whatever just enough for the ball to fit in there um and then if i do need to do any fitting just progressively taking it out of the engagement side um, and leaving it as sharp as possible maybe stoning a very very small um just edge break so it doesn't actually cut into the ball at all. Uh, so, but I, I've had issues where I've even had to drill them like 75, 80, 90 thou big on some to get it because they were started way too far over. You know, you got to Yeah, move so you're them. just waiting. You're trying to get that leading edge just to catch the edge of the ball. Yeah. So the yeah, rest I've of done, it is all that. just clearance anyways, you know, so. Yep. Yeah, for that one edge to catch. I'll like, mm. I know people, you know, before in like, you know, more archaic times of making would just almost put the detent when they're trying to set their detent, they would just put their detent ball in, close their blade, make the witness mark, and then mm-hmm. go to the end of the track and just drill like a 50 thousandths hole, see yep. if it catches, go to 55, see if it catches, go to 59 and a half, see if it catches and just keep opening it up a wire size at a time until their detent was appropriate. That's how I started. Um, a lot yeah, of the I mean, first works, orders that I did was the same shit. Yeah. Or you put a smaller over. stop pin in, you put a stop pin in that's a couple thousand smaller 
and then you can close the you can close it further and then you just drill through your detent hole with no ball. You got to space out your lock bar if your lock bar is already bent. You know, but then you just drill through right there and then you put the bigger pin in there and then it's all it's all set. That's, that's what I do. I don't want to deal with that stuff. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to yeah, deal with any I mean, of that that's, stuff. I use anymore, a one, so. a one I use a one twenty two pin, so it's like a thousand and a half per side. Mm-hmm. Um and that seems to work perfectly for what I do. Rather nice. than you see people that put like a can't twist clamp on there or pinch it and it's like there's no consistency with that. You're you know just smashing I mean? the blade closed, yeah. Yeah, you're just fucking up the end of the stop pin track or flexing the stop pin or rounding out the holes in the frame with pressure. It's like, mm. just use a smaller stop pin. Works great. Yeah, it works out really well. So, yeah, I'm going to, I mean, all my fixture stuff is done. Um, the blade fixture obviously is finished. The check fixture is done for that. Um, now it's really just making sure I can get enough stuff in the machine and just start making some progress on whatever I can. Nice, man. That sounds so, like an awesome plan. I mean, I... uh it's kind of up in the air right now. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it'll I be usually nice. work however clarity. I feel. Yeah, you'll have some more clarity in the coming days. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you'd like to have. Oh, sorry, yawn master. Um, you'd like to have um, you know, a set of frames or multiple sets of frames done by the end of the weekend, so that you can at least mm-hmm. run those off, and then you know you have a solid. What, what that'll be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the twenty seventh. So you'll have a solid two and a half weeks. Um, yeah. To button everything up, man. When you put it that way. There's not much time, dude. There's not a lot of time left. Uh, Yeah. As soon as it hit the 17th of this month, I was like, all right, cool. We got a month left. And then now Now it's it's already weeks. Yeah. Now it's the 23rd already. I'm like, dude, what am I doing? Um, So yeah, you got to put the hard, put the foot down with the wife and like, okay, we're going to Disneyland. But after that, the next two and a half weeks, those are mine. Leave me alone. You're on double kid duty. I'm working late nights. I'm working early mornings. You got to get the kids to school. You know, yeah. I'm in grind That's mode tough. and like, exactly. let it be what it is. That's a nice thing about taking Hudson to school in the morning though. It forces me to get up and out of the house by seven o'clock. So I'm already 100%, out. Man. I'm back at the house by seven 30 and I've already had coffee and eaten and I'm ready to go. So perfect, man. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what cool. I'm doing. I'm going to lay out the rest of my materials today and uh, try and finish up this custom that I'm working on. Um, I might not even turn the machines on today. I might just handle logistics and respond to emails and order some stuff and then plan on just first thing in the morning tomorrow, getting out here on a normal work day and just hammering it. Nice. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds like we got a good plan ahead, man. We hit, damn, we already hit a one hour mark. This stuff just peels off every week. I feel like it's going to take longer and longer and longer. And every week it's like, even this week we had like less directive even than we have in past weeks and like yet we still peeled mm. off an hour so yeah um, i don't think there was a, too much to talk about today i mean because we've both been busy but with out, outside of the shop stuff it seems like yeah we've both but, been fucking off for the last week and we didn't have much to share yet somehow we flapped our gums for an hour so hopefully next week we have a lot more to say we've made yeah. some progress and we can start really getting into it but yeah for sure um, yeah i'm hoping yeah appreciate I'm hoping everybody that. listening yeah, today uh, appreciate you you know being flexible with this and uh i'm looking forward to kicking ass for the rest of the week and touch base with you in the days to come for sure man that sounds good dude cool man all right well thanks for listening i'll catch up with you later buddy yeah you too later peace